how get people to buy in. They're not going to buy in if all done at the top level. But when you involve people at every level of the organization, and that's how we start to build momentum. And as you say, a movement starts to happen. Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now, here's your host, Matt Lyles. Helping you create loyal customers and loyal employees all through the power of simplicity. This is the Simple Brand Podcast, now heard around the world, including Wheat Ridge, Colorado. I'm your host, Matt Lyles, and this week I'm talking with Donna Cutting. Donna's a certified speaking professional, and she's the founder and CEO of Red Carpet Learning, where she helps brands create cultures of happy, engaged people who deliver exceptional customer service. And... Donna's the best-selling author of three books devoted to delivering red carpet experiences, including her latest book, Employees First, Inspire, Engage, and Focus on the Heart of Your Organization. Donna and I talk about how rolling out a red carpet experience to your employees is just as important as the experience you deliver to your customers. And we talk about some of the key ways to ensure that you're attracting, onboarding, and retaining your top talent, all based on the employee experience you deliver. So here it is. Here's my interview with Donna Cutting. Hi, Donna. Welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. It's so good to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you. Congrats on releasing Employees First. This is your third book. Is that right? It is. It's my third book. Yes. Oh my goodness, that is so fun. And how cool that your previous books focused on that red carpet experience, rolling out that red carpet for your customers. But then it sounds like this one's more focused on the red carpet experience for your employees. So is this a switch? Yeah, that's a really great question. And yeah, exactly right. My first two focus on customers. But I'll tell you that in um, the last decade or so, you know, since I've written those books, as I've worked with my customers, I've started to realize that, you know, as we're talking about customer service and, and their patients, their residents, their guests, that really we should have first focused on their employee experience because organizational culture, employee experience, customer experience it all works together. And so hence the name of the book, Employees First. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm a big proponent of the fact that it's the employee experience that drives the customer experience. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Especially you think about, you know, someone who works for an hourly wage who has probably never received a red carpet experience. Right. In many cases, they've never been to the Ritz-Carlton or, you know, all of these places where we think of organizations that roll out the red carpet for their customers. So how are they supposed to give that 
if we don't first give it to them, model it for them and provide them with that kind of experience so that they even know what it looks like and then they can then turn around and give it to your traditional customers. Right. Yeah. It's important for them to know what it looks like. In my background, I believe that so much of customer experience is around the feeling that the customer has, the feeling that they have throughout the entire customer experience. So I, I think it's equally important that your employees know what that service should look like, but I think they should also know what it feels like, like what it feels like to have someone really serve them and deliver an outstanding experience to them. Exactly, because then they can pass it on. And I love that you framed it that way, because I think that's always where I come from, too. It's uh, In fact, someone told me that, you know, when they listen to me, it's more about the emotions. I mean, we can teach tactics and strategies and methodologies and all of that until we're blue in the face. But when it really comes down to it, it's an emotional experience. So how are you making that person in front of you right now feel, you know, to the extent that we have control over how anyone feels, but are we striving to make them happier than they were 10 seconds ago? Whether that be, again, that traditional customer in front of you on the phone or that coworker, that team member, how are you making them feel so that they can then pass that on the whole ripple effect and everything? Yeah. And it's recognizing that it's not so much around, like what you're saying, it's not so much around the tactics. Here are the tactics and here are the steps for the experience you deliver. But here's why. Here's why you want to deliver those or here's why you want to take those tactics, why you want to take those steps. Yeah, because it can make you feel as good as the person you're you're giving that experience to. You know, for me, and I suspect this is the same of you, Matt, this is such a bigger mission, whether we're talking about customer service or employee engagement. I mean, yes, those are the things that I teach, but what I am really passionate about, you know, people will say to me, I don't know if they say this to you, but they'll say, you're so passionate about customer service. And And honestly, I don't wake up every morning and go, ooh, customer service, like that's not, right? What I am passionate about is the experience we provide for each other, the way we treat each other, the way we, through our presence and our presence, you know, how we make people feel, that's what I'm passionate about. And then that translates to all areas of our life. I just happen to teach it in the context of customer and employee experience and organizational culture. That's it. Well, you know, maybe there's another red carpet book in there for you, or maybe a red carpet series, rolling up the red carpet for our friends, for yes. our family. I'm taking notes. Let me get, yeah. yeah, that's actually a great idea. Yeah. I mean, because like, that's really the goal. Like when it comes like to the higher, higher level, depending on what your faith background is or what your mm-hmm. spiritual background is, a lot of people, a lot of individuals today recognize that we're called to higher purpose beyond just mm-hmm. our business, beyond just what we do. So a lot of these lessons about how we treat our customers, how we treat our employees, it applies to how we treat each other. That's exactly right. And I firmly believe that if we can practice those skills, you know, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you just the idea of that every interaction we have 
matters, you know, makes a difference in some way, shape or form. And if we can practice the skills of using every interaction to be a light in someone else's world at work, you know, that's only going to extend to our families, our friends, our the small world we have around us, and then ultimately the larger world too. Everything, change happens locally. It doesn't happen globally. And so really to me, each interaction that we have, that's where it starts. You're absolutely right. That is it. And I like to talk about how our energy, the energy that we have, it's Mm -hmm. contagious, whether it's positive or negative. And so if you're delivering positive energy, if you're delivering red carpet service, no matter what the interaction is, whether it's in your business or whether it's with your friends or family or whether it's with the people that are driving in cars next to you on the highway, then that becomes contagious. And the idea is that maybe not all, but maybe more and more people will then take that and start to deliver red carpet service in all of their interactions. Yeah. And energy is a bit is a huge part of it. And you're right. I will often tell my customers You know, they'll say, but we have all these people and they just won't. And they, you know, they get frustrated. They're not interested. They say, play with the people first that want to play with you. Like there are people who are naturally excited, enthused, you know, inclined to deliver these kinds of experiences, whether it be for team members or customers. And Start with them because that becomes contagious. You know, those people will then become ambassadors for the kind of experience that you want to create as a whole. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Like like finding those people who you know would be easy to buy into this, easy to get on board, focus on them, and then uh, the movement can grow exponentially. Exactly. And that's what it is. It's a movement. Yes. It is. Cool. So we talked about purpose earlier, but you talk about purpose as well in organizations. And it sounds like you talk about purpose as being a key driver for employees, giving your team a sense of purpose. And that makes a lot of sense, but how can leaders do that for their employees? Yeah, that I love that you brought that up. And I think we have a shared friend who does this really, really well. And that's Jesse Cole, right? From oh the Savannah goodness. Bananas. Yes. <laughs> Golly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love everything about the Savannah Bananas. <laughs> me, me too. And they are featured actually throughout the book, Employees First. But yeah. yeah, but in the first chapter, uh, they're heavily featured and it's entitled Give Them Something to Care About. And right. that was a lot of the conversation that I had with Jesse because, because she, I mean, this is a, a baseball team, right? That is, but it's so much more, right? They are really an entertainment franchise. And I mean, they're just amazing. And if you don't know, for any of your listeners, Savannah Bananas in Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, you should look them up. But Jesse talked a lot about, you know, the great vision that they created for right. their team and that this was beyond, you know, that not just how, where the organization was going to go, but what is it? How do they make a difference in people's lives? And one of the stories I think he tells of, of somebody like in the middle of the pandemic, when we're all, you know, we thought it was going to be over in, in five weeks or whatever. And right. then we're kind of all collectively in the depths of despair because yeah. it's not. It's not going away. Yes. And they were able to have a game. Somebody came 
and and talked about how, you know, thank you so much. Like I was literally like at the end of my rope thinking about, you know, is this even, is my life even worth it with everything that was happening in his life and in the world? And that just being at that game kind of lifted them up. And so he would tell those stories to his team members. I mean, they've grown exponentially in the last year, like since the pandemic, they were already rocking. But I think in today's world, especially with the younger generations, they're looking for something to believe in, to something to contribute Mm. to that is bigger than themselves. And Anytime that organizational leaders can really get to the root of what is it that we do beyond make profits? Because that's not going to motivate anybody today. You know, I, I mean, most people today, yes, everyone likes money, right? We all like money, but they want something that's going to give their life meaning, that's going to get them excited. And it usually isn't the profits that the company is making, right? right? And so really tapping into, like starting with tapping into your own purpose. Why do you do what you do as a leader? Like what gets you up in the morning? What gets you excited? And if you're not feeling that, it's going to be, you're going to be hard pressed to actually instill that in other people. Um, but once you have that, then really getting crystal clear about the difference that you and your organization are making in the world, whether it's through your products and services or whether it's through some organization that you are have heavily aligned yourself with so that as they work on your products and services, they're also contributing to this amazing you know, cause that speaks to their soul. Oh, okay, good. Because there are some organizations where it's really easy to see what their purpose is. I think of uh, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Their purpose is to fight and eradicate childhood cancer. But then there's other companies where it's not as easy to see, especially if it's like if they're selling like an average everyday product. So you're Dunder Mifflin. (laughs) We sell reams of paper. How do you tap into the purpose in that situation? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And I would like to say that I believe that there is something in almost anything where you can look at how does this make a difference in someone's lives. In fact, just your example, I'm remembering the episode where Michael Scott got to make his commercial and it really did sort of show like how their paper influences and makes a difference in people's lives. It's pretty cool. But- I think beyond sort of looking at that piece, it's also think of organizations that align themselves, not just donate money, but that actually say, you know what, we really care about this cause, whether it's children or animals or whatever. And so we're going to donate, we're going to have our employees volunteer, you know, we're going to really support this way of making a difference in our world as part of what we do as an organization. And if you don't mind, I'm going to say one more thing about that. Please, I'm thinking about a company called Ruby Receptionist. They're basically an answering service. Okay. They were my answering service for many, many, many years. But 
they were so focused on lifting people up and they would send little surprise and delight gifts. And, you know, they would create content that was valuable to their customers, none of which had anything to do or most of which did not have anything to do with what their core service was, which was answering my phone, right? So they found a way to make our world a little bit better, to make a difference in my life, to get really passionate about it that had very little to do with their core service. And they do it differently than a lot of other answering services out there as a result. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I love hearing that. I, I love hearing about organizations that are able to do that and that doesn't have to align with their core service. At the same time, I think I think there's an opportunity if there's a company or leadership that's struggling trying to figure out like, well, how do we understand like what we can do? A lot of times you can look at what your assets are, what your strengths are, what your skills are, and then figure out, okay, how can we take those and use those for greater purpose in the world? My previous employer, FedEx, we did a lot of work around this as it relates to serving in the global community and realized, okay, you know what, we've got all these planes, all these trucks, we have a logistics system. And so whenever it comes time for, you know, God forbid, whenever uh, natural disasters happen, especially when they happen on a global or international level, FedEx is easily able to use all their logistics skills and strengths to be able to get together whatever supplies are needed, get them onto trucks, get them onto planes, and then deliver them to the areas where they're needed. I love that. And see right there, that is something that all FedEx employees can take great pride in. Absolutely. Right. And so, and I'm sure they do this. I was going to say, if I was FedEx, I would be highlighting that in my, you know, employee recruitment and attraction. You know, those are the stories to tell. Like, here's how you make a difference. And it's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. It creates a sense of pride among the employees. So that's all around purpose. So purpose Mm -hmm. is one of those key drivers, but beyond purpose. I mean, I don't think that it's just purpose alone that attracts and keeps employees. I mean, we still have to pay our employees. Employees Mm -hmm. still want to be paid. And you say organizations can still compensate fairly without breaking the bank. Talk (laughs) to me more about that. Yeah, well, I also say in the book, like in that chapter, I think the first sentence is I'm the last person, like I'm not a compensation expert, right? Right. So I went to experts, I looked at organizations to see like, what are people trying? What are the different models? The one thing that I think is really important to understand, I did it, you know, I think a lot of us were guilty of this, where we would kind of go, oh, well, Money doesn't matter. As long as they're having a great experience, it doesn't really matter, right? I no longer believe that because when I think about it, and I can even think of some of my, you know, customers where their team members are in, you know, helping professions and they are making not enough to support their family. So they've got like two or three jobs. That's not a great experience, no matter how many pizza parties you have, (laughs) you know, no matter how appreciated you may try to appreciate them in different ways. They are still not having that whole experience. So I think that conversation about 
hourly wage and all of that is not going to go away, nor should it. But I think in the book, there are actually compensation experts who can help you kind of work out how do you create those raises? Where can you be looking at things that you are spending money on that you don't need to spend money on so that that money can be allocated for compensation. And then there are also other things to look at, like scheduling. And you'll see in the book, there are just different creative ways um, that people have come up with to address that subject. Like my message is, it's time to stop saying we can't compensate fairly and start looking at asking the question, how can we compensate fairly? Right. That's yeah. it right there is, is not saying it can't be done, but looking right. at how can it be done. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, as a leader, take the pressure off of yourself. Don't be so overwhelmed with you being <sighs> the sole person to try and figure out how it can be done. There's lots of examples of including team members in the discussion. And when you collaborate with your employees, you're going to find some of those more creative ways to be able to do it. Oh, absolutely. And that is a message I like. That's a thread that weaves through employees first because it's something I I have seen it work. I wholeheartedly believe in. And I think so many times leaders sit in their little management or leadership bubble, you know, and make decisions um, without including the very people that they impact or people that may have really good ideas and who are closest to the customer and closest to the problem, whatever it is. And so uh, the idea of listening, like sitting and, and listening, part of my work probably is, is yours as well, that you know, I'll sit and have listening sessions with. That's how I knew to write employees first, because I was sitting just having these listening sessions with all of these team members and kind of hearing, hmm, we need a little uh, employee experience counseling as well. But listening to them, and then you said another magic word, which is collaborating with them to create whatever the future of the workplace is going to be, be that compensation, appreciation, organizational culture, whatever that's going to look like, because they have information that you don't have as leaders, and you have information in a leadership position that they don't necessarily have. So it takes both groups getting together to really listen to each other and work on a way to move forward, whatever the topic. Of course. Yeah. Whether it's compensation or, you know, processes that hinder work being done or anything else. Yeah. Did you know that in addition to my podcast and my articles, I speak to audiences all over to help them simplify their customer experience and simplify their employee experience. I've spent the last few years leading a crusade of simplicity across the globe. If you want a winning brand, you have to provide a simple experience to your customers and to your team members. Whether it's a live event or a virtual event, I'd love to partner with you and teach your audience how to do just that. With over a decade in marketing, I know how to hook and captivate an audience. And as a speaker, I know how to connect with that audience. Along with my lessons, I use stories and humor to keep everyone engaged and inspired. Then they leave with the knowledge and next steps to transform their business. As an event planner, you're managing lots of details to give your audience the most memorable event. 
the last thing you need is a speaker who will make your event memorable for all the wrong reasons. Not only will I leave your audience energized and inspired, I'll make it easy for your team to work with me. Hey, if I've built my brand around simplicity, then you know I'm going to make it simple for you. When you visit mattliles.com slash speaking, you'll find everything you need to know, including details on my topics, promotional materials, and most importantly, a link to connect with my team so we can book your event. So visit mattliles.com slash speaking. I can't wait to help your audience brand out from the crowd. So what's the best way? What are some of the best ways that leaders can listen to their employees? Yeah, I personally, I like getting in a room with people. And I know, like, of course, it all depends on the size of the organization. But even within the largest organization, there are smaller organizations, right? There are departments and certainly there are surveys and people, you know, and those have their places and it's one part of that process. But there is nothing like actually getting in a room with people, whether it's through one-on-ones, through listening sessions, and just with quiet mouths, <laughs> you know, without defensiveness, without getting upset, really just start asking questions because then you can see body language, you can see expression, you can see hear tone of voice that you're not necessarily getting from those annual uh, or twice, you know, a year surveys. And that I think gives you a lot of information. If those surveys are even done. If they're even done. And then if they're done, oftentimes there's nothing done after the fact. So that, I mean, that is the other thing. If you're going to listen You've got to be ready to take some action. And I will often say, okay, I sit, I take a lot of notes, and then we look for the no-brainer. What's the no-brainer actions, the things they've complained about or asked for or whatever that we can just like take care of? And then promote, make sure they know that you took care of it. And then what are some of the things that are going to take deeper conversations and include some of your team members in those conversations so that it's not just you in your bubble, you know, or in your silo taking, uh, making those decisions. That's a really good point about including the people in the conversations, because I think back to a lot of times where I've been part of employee listening sessions and some of those smaller uh, no-brainer items. Yeah, like those are easy to fix. But then you've got some of those like longer term, like Mm -hmm. constant things that can't be done maybe either at my level or the level or two above me. And each time it's like, well, we're we're just sending that up the chain. We're pushing that message up the chain. And people just have to trust that it keeps going up the chain to the next level, the next level in the same way that they express that concern. At the same time, I haven't seen many opportunities where employees would be included in that conversation. Okay, here's this big concern that that you've shared for a while now, and we've got an opportunity to discuss it. Let's bring in some key people that can represent some of the overall voices Mm -hmm. to discuss it. Exactly. And there's even, you know, you talk about compensation. I'm blanking on the name of the company, but there's a restaurant company in in Washington state. Right. So he realized um, Washington was one of the first states to mandate the $15 an hour wage. And even for 
uh, minimum wage and even for uh, servers uh, or at least whatever it was. And he did the math and he said, I'm going to be out of business like this isn't going to work for me. I can't figure out how to make that work. So he brought his best servers together and he showed them the math. Again, you as leaders have organ- have information they don't have, right? And they collaborated to come up with a commission-based system that both parties agreed to that was going to enable him to not have to pay them the $15 an hour wage. However, they actually ended up making more money this way. And there were things, you know, they wanted, like he said, no tips in this way. It's going to be commission, but no tips. They said, if they offer us tips, we want to be able to take them. He said, absolutely, that's fine. But if I see anyone sniffing around for tips, the deal's off. We're going to say no tips at all. And so as a result, because they collaborated on it together, first of all, the company is thriving. Like they were doing better than they ever had before. The servers were making more money than they ever had before. They might've lost a couple of customers, but most of the customers adapted to that. And as a result, the servers police each other. Like if there's somebody new who comes on board and they see them kind of sniffing around for tips, they will put a stop to it because again, they were part of that process and they understand all the ramifications of what they did. Oh yeah. And I think that speaks to something else that I think is valuable to employees along with being paid fairly, along with purpose. And that's ownership, a sense of ownership. You know, sometimes depending on the organization, depending on the company, you can have like financial ownership through like profit sharing or whatever else. But I think it can be as simple as allowing them to have a sense of ownership in how decisions are made, a sense of ownership in their own work. And and that can come with something else you talk about is empowerment. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's how we get people to buy in. They're not going to buy in if you know it's all done at the top level, but when you involve them. So when we create curriculum, like whether it's customer service curriculum, whatever it is for our company, one of the things we do is we have this train the trainer model where in a lot of the organizations that I work with, don't have official facilitators or people in learning and development. So we're training their employees, basically, to deliver this curriculum throughout the organization. And we created this for scalability, because frankly, it just wasn't going to be cost effective for, you know, or sustainable for these organizations to have me and my team delivering all of this training to all of their team members. Of course. So that's why we created it. But what happened was that we armed these people who didn't have learning and development backgrounds with new skills, new knowledge, new excitement, and they became very enthusiastic evangelists for the changes that this organization wanted to make. People say like, what's your secret sauce? That's part of it, right? I won't, I'm not going to give you the whole recipe, but <laughs> that's part of it right there is that we're involving people at every level of the organization. And that's how we start to build momentum. And as you say, a movement starts to happen. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So once you've done that, 
you've got the movement inside your organization. Mm-hmm. There's always opportunities for uh, new employees to come in because you, you may have attrition, you have people leaving, or hopefully sure. you're growing and you need more employees. So then once you do that, what can you do to attract new employees to come into your organization? Yeah, there has never been a better time for human resources and recruitment to be working with sales and marketing. Because really what we have to start thinking about is our employees as customers. And that means your prospective employees as customers as well. I've been having a lot of these conversations, conversations where people are kind of having these ahas. Like when we want to bring in a customer, we do this, we do this. I mean, some of my customers literally roll out red carpets, right? They, you know, they have, we have a special room. We offer them coffee, you know, all all of these things were the way we market is different the stories that we tell and and we don't do any of that for our employees right we're we're they're lucky if they get someone to greet them in the lobby or a phone call after they've put in an application right, right. and so it's starting to to think like okay what are all the things that we do to obtain and then nurture those prospective customers, you got to now take all of that and apply it to your prospective employees. Yeah. And to me, like that speaks to branding. Mm -hmm. You want your marketing and your salespeople and your customer service people to adhere to the brand that you Mm -hmm. aspire for your organization. At the same time, you want anybody that's out there in the marketplace looking for a job, you want them to look at your organization with that same view of your brand. So that's employer Mm -hmm. branding. And if you want to marry that with what we started to talk about before, which was purpose, and then looking at like the marketing. So where are if younger people, uh, I can't believe I use that phrase now, younger people, but if younger people (laughs) are your target market in terms of employees, right? Right. They're not on Facebook anymore. Your Facebook ads, right? They may even not be looking at Indeed, right? Where are they? They're on TikTok. And so a lot of like, you know, coaching a lot of our customers to do is start telling the stories about your purpose and tell it in places where your prospective employees are going to be. Like what's going to get them excited about, oh, I want to work there and tell those stories on TikTok and, you know, wherever else, wherever else the young people are today. (laughs) Whatever new channel those young people are are going to be. (laughs) Yes, right. And I think another step for that as well, and this speaks to my earlier, is to empower, number one, at least allow, and then two, empower your employees to tell those stories themselves in those channels. Because when you think about TikTok, a lot of times people are scrolling through and if they see a brand, they'll scroll, they'll scroll right past it. But what they're paying attention to are individuals, real people telling real stories. Absolutely. So, I mean, again, it's not about promoting your brand. 
it's about showing like, oh, look how much fun I'm having at work, you know, yeah. or whatever. Here's the difference that I make at work or in innovative ways. And gosh, I mean, your employees are the best people to kind of take that idea and run with it, right? The one thing I will say, though, in order for that to work is that you have to make sure that your employees within your organization right now are feeling the love and feeling happy. You know, I, I mean, I... I literally was in, I won't say, but it's a large building supply store. Uh, recently, we were being served by two people. And one of them started sort of rolling her eyes about management and, you know, complaining about oh. things. And then we found out that the person she was with was a new like person who had just started two days ago and she was training her, you know. And so and I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, you know, that's that's the problem is that they're pairing them with people who are not happy don't feel included, don't know what's going on in the larger organization. So they're making up stories in their head and then they're telling them to the people who just started work. <laughs> and, right. so, and so, you know, everything that we just talked about sort of plays into that. You've got to make sure you're, you're keeping your employees that you have now happy so that the stories that they are telling are positive out there. So it starts with your current employees yeah. first. Exactly. Right. Then your potential employees. Okay. Yeah. So then, then let's say, thankfully, now you've got like some of these potential employees, like they've been interested enough to apply. They're now coming in. You talk about the importance of rolling out the red carpet on day one yeah. and the importance of onboarding employees. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So, and there's, I, I want to define a couple of things. So onboarding is a long-term process, right? That is, that can take up to a year to really get somebody like up to speed on what their job is, to make them feel welcome, to make sure they're making friends at work, to feel like part of the organization, the organizational rituals and, you know, all of that is that's onboarding process. Within onboarding, sometimes if the organization does it, the first step is like an orientation and that's a one-time event. What I see happen a lot and especially in this, it's such a dichotomy because it's a really strong orientation. First day is so important if you want to keep somebody a week or, you know, 30 days or 90 days. And yet because of all the turnover and because of the staff shortages, people are sort of shortchanging that process. And as a result, they're losing people like within the week. Sometimes they leave. I've had people say, we've had a couple of new employees leave at lunch, right? And so making sure that orientation is more than just shoving a bunch of paperwork, you know, and having okay. people sign, but really making sure it involves how are you going to introduce people to their culture? How are you going to help them make connections within the organization? How are you going to communicate with them so they, they get all their questions answered and in a way that's compelling, that's not like a 50-page document they're supposed to read, right, to get all that information? And yes, compliance. So that's the training, the paperwork, the, you know, whatever mandated things have to happen. And then also, are you 
continually checking in throughout the first day, throughout the first week, throughout the first 30, 60, 90 days to give and receive feedback. And that's not happening in many cases. And that's part of the problem. So people are saying they're not doing it because they don't feel like they have time. But part of the reason that they don't have time is that they're not doing it. Does that make sense? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think back to my first day in one of my jobs, and this was, maybe I'm dating myself, but this was maybe, you know, 20-ish years ago. I remember like my first day, the manager handed me like this big, thick, I think it was even more than three inches. Like it was a big, thick three-ring binder. So here, here's all this information. Just read through this today. And <laughs> I didn't even have my laptop on that first day. Like we're, so we're also to have our laptops or desktops or, or whatever. I didn't even have that. I had a three ring binder of information and I was just supposed to read through that, you know, during the first day, the manager checked in with me after lunch. Hey, how are you doing? Any questions based on what you're reading? Um, and then, and then he checked in like at the end of the day too. Hey, I'm going home. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's not really a check-in. That's just, (laughs) you know, you want to make those check-ins meaningful. (laughs) Meaningful, absolutely. And yeah, and but unfortunately, and by the way, if that was dating you, you know, that really dated me. So, um, but (laughs) unfortunately, more often than not, that's what I'm seeing out there. And so I think about, it's funny because I teach a lot of like hospitality skills and things that really relate to people. But what I have started to realize is that oftentimes the people are wonderful, but they are stuck in a process that doesn't work, right? That's Whether it. there's no there's no communication, so nobody knows what's going on. Whether there's no, you know, you're not setting them up for success by providing that exceptional onboarding experience or even a good onboarding experience. Right. It's really, you know, I often think that now the deep work is looking at what are the processes that we've been, you know, utilizing for decades now that just aren't working for us that we really need to to change. And that goes back to collaborating with your team to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Collaborating with your current employees and then collaborating with like your most recent employees as well. Okay. Yes, you've been here for a few months, but can you help us with our onboarding process? Yeah, absolutely. They're the best people to ask. It's fresh in their mind, right? Uh, but they'll have a lot of ideas. right? And then I would say the only thing though, is that I also say they also don't necessarily know what they don't know. So in some instances, that may be the best orientation they ever had because they've just had a lot of really bad orientations, <laughs> right? And so understanding, yeah, collaborate with them and also bring something new to the table uh, so that they can sit, going back to rolling out the red carpet, let them see like what it could be like. Yeah. And that speaks to one thing that I teach, and I've heard you talk about this before. I don't think we've discussed it yet today, is empathy. So empathizing with that new employee, walking in their shoes and understanding, oh, this is exactly what it's like to be in their situation on day one and not knowing anything and not even not knowing what you don't know. So based on that, 
what experience should I deliver to them? And then on the other side, what we have discussed is, okay, now how would I really want them to feel today? Today on day one, day 30, day 60, 90. And then, you know, to your point, thank you for clarifying this. At the end of one year, if we're saying that onboarding takes a whole year, how do I want them to feel throughout that whole year? And then based on that, what are the steps, what are the tactics, what are the things we can do to help them feel that way? That's it, Matt. We are so on the same page about that. In fact, that's when I'm talking. Yeah, when I'm talking about onboarding, that is the que- that's the first question I ask. How do you want your new team members to feel, you know, after their first day, during and after their orientation, after their, and people will come up with all of these emotions, excited, motivated, you know, prepared, glad that we chose them, so glad they chose us, right? And then I'll ask the question, does your current process consistently provide those feelings? And usually the answer is no. You know, or sometimes they'll say, well, yeah, maybe not consistently, mm-hmm. um, but often it's no. And so it it all comes back to feelings and emotions, um, because that's what drives people too. that's what drives people to change, to take action, all of it to serve your customers. Well, that's it. It is as simple and as difficult as that, <laughs> right, is exactly. focusing on their feelings <laughs> and their emotions. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Donna, last question for you. If you could create a five-song soundtrack for Employees First, what songs would you include? Okay. I love this question, by the way. I really, (laughs) and it was so hard to narrow down. And I, you know, I even crowdsourced a few, but it's such a great Uh question. It's like, that could be a curriculum activity that's so great. Okay. But here's what I came up with. So there's a Broadway uh, show, Wicked, and there's a song, yes. uh, For Good. And it's because I knew you, I have been changed. I have been changed uh-huh. for good. I've been changed for the better. And that's to me, like going back to that's exactly what I, you know, it's every interaction is someone walking away better because they met us. Um, also, Count on Me by Bruno Mars, because yeah. obviously our team members, we want to count on our our leadership and you want your customers to count on your team members. Let's get it started by the Black Eyed Peas. And <laughs> that's know. really, you know, if I look at the book Employees First, it really is about, okay, we've been putting Band-Aids on these problems for decades now. Yeah. This is a, you know, employee retention is not a new problem, right? Or turnover is not a new problem. So let's take the Band-Aids off and really get started, you know, and do the deep work that's necessary to make lasting change. I threw Magic Carpet Ride in there because red carpet, right? Yes, nice. Yeah. And then the last is Don't Stop Believing by Journey. And I especially, I work a lot, uh, not exclusively, but a lot in senior living and healthcare. And I think... Um, particularly those kinds of fields have been so beaten down over the last few years. And it's just been such a challenge. Um, And my message is one of hope that you can have a culture that's even better than it was before the pandemic started. So that's how'd I do? Oh, wonderful. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now I feel inspired. Oh, good. Excellent. Well, Donna, I have learned so much from your book. I've learned so much from our discussion today, but where can people go to learn more from you? 
Yes. Thank you for asking. And I feel the same way. And my website is redcarpetlearning.com, redcarpetlearning.com. Of course, all of my books are available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold, uh, IndieBound, if you prefer your independent oh, yeah. bookstore. And right. then, I, of course, Donna Cutting. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram uh, as Red Carpet Donna and all the places. All so the places. Connect. Very cool. Well, Donna, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time here today. Thank you, too. This was so much fun. I love speaking with kindred spirits, and that's I feel like we are, Matt. So thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Donna Cutting. So go and visit her at redcarpetlearning.com. You'll get access to all of her lessons, and you'll learn about all the services her team can provide to help you deliver red carpet service to your customers and to your employees. And if you want to dive in deeper to the lessons that Donna and I discussed today, then go get your copy of her best-selling book, Employees First, Inspire, Engage, and Focus on the Heart of Your Organization. It's available everywhere books are sold. And if you're enjoying the Simple Brand Podcast, go ahead and hit the subscribe button because it's going to make it so much simpler for you to get future episodes like the next one featuring Sarah Panous. Sarah is a brand storytelling strategist, and she's the owner of Kindred Speak Consulting, where she helps communicators and content marketers create more meaningful connections with their customers, all through the power of empathy-driven brand storytelling. And Sarah's the host of the Marketing with Empathy podcast. Now, look, I know today a lot of marketers like to just throw the term storytelling around without really knowing how to use storytelling well. Well, Sarah and I talk about the common mistakes that marketers make when they attempt storytelling. And we talk about the right ways to use storytelling in your content in a way that actually resonates with and connects with your customers. And Sarah's got a pretty simple framework that helps you do just that. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll automatically get Sarah's episode as soon as it's live. Until then, keep it simple. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.